Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Hey, Mountain Park, Pastor Andrew here. Welcome here to our online house church, wherever you're watching this or listening to this from. It is great to be with you. We're gonna dive right into week four of our Hearing God series. And this has been amazing so far. Our group experiences have been incredible so far as well. And I just wanna remind you and encourage you Uh, Even during this current uh, lockdown that we are in, we can still legally meet with groups of 10 people at the church. We've been doing that for a week and a half here, and it has been amazing. Uh, We've had some amazing encounters with God, and the purpose of those groups is to take what we're passing on in terms of information here uh, on our Sunday mornings and bring it down to a level of application and practice that allows you to actually grow and distill some of this stuff. Remember in Hebrews 5, the writer of Hebrews said, maturity isn't a matter of what we know or how much we know. It's how we uh, are, are, are living under the leadership of God experientially through all of our senses, able to determine what is good and evil, what's of God and what's not of God through the uh, avenue of all of our senses. And so these group experiences have been powerful. I just, I really want to encourage you, uh, you know, if, if you're not feeling safe or comfortable in this season, there's no pressure whatsoever. But in terms of hearing God and learning how to hear his voice. Um, If you only just listen to this message, you're going to get about 10% uh, worth out of it. But if you listen to this and then come and practice with us in person, apply it, I believe that God is going to just reveal things, open things up to you, your understanding and your maturity, and this is going to grow. And this is what we've seen with people in the last couple of weeks already anyway. So uh, sign up. They're filling up really quickly. Uh, As well, if you have a group of people that you'd like to do this with, but all of our times are booked, email us. Let us know. We'd be happy to fit you in and to lead a group for you at a custom time that works for you and for us as well. But week four, uh, we're going to be talking more about the still small voice of God and specifically breaking down Paul's passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 10 verses 3 to 5 his passage that talks about uh, some of the things that inhibit us from fully experiencing the life that God wants and has for us. So we're going to get there, but I just want to remind you again that um, our first foundational principle, we've talked about this already for a couple of weeks, but I just want to lay this foundation again, that uh, God speaks in many ways. All right. If you are um, in Acts chapter 2 and you're reading about the day of Pentecost and Peter's preaching on that day. He references the prophet Joel and he says, look, these things are going to characterize, 
you know, the life and experience of people in the last days. This is how God is going to manifest himself uh, on the earth. And men are going to dream dreams and, you know, have visions and God is going to move powerfully. We're still in those days. And as a church, we fully believe that uh, scripture uh, actually would indicate to us that God still does speak in a variety of ways that the closing of the canon did not mean, or the dying off of the apostles did not mean the end of God speaking in all of these different ways. There, I see no legitimate argument for that in scripture. There's no trajectory of thought for the gifts all dying out and God's supernatural activity evaporating from the earth. So foundation one, God still speaks in these ways. I wanna highlight for you some of the different ways that God speaks. If you want my detailed notes that come with all, all kinds of verse references, I would be happy to send them. I just don't have time to go through it with you. So God speaks uh, and addresses people. These are the ways he does within the biblical record. Okay, number one, uh, a supernatural phenomenon plus a voice. So we see that all through in scripture, and we're gonna spend a few time, a uh, few moments looking at Moses, but we see this in scripture, that often there is uh, a supernatural event, a phenomenon conjoined with God speaking in his voice. Number two, in the biblical record, we see God addressing us through supernatural messengers or angels. And this is not always in the context of dreams or visions, uh, like Abraham and others through scripture, sometimes people were literally just going about their day and uh, ended up interacting with angelic beings. Sometimes those uh, supernatural beings or those angelic beings um, revealed themselves as angelic. Um, that would be the case with Gideon or with Joshua on the plains of Jericho when the angel of the Lord met him. But in the context of Abraham and the story of Abraham uh, in Genesis 15, these three strangers ended up walking by his house and he invites them in, welcomes them in. He has no idea that they are of uh, divine origin, so to speak. And one of them ends up being um, Jesus Christ himself, the angel of the Lord, which uh, to give you a big fancy word is a reference for the theophany of Christ in the Old Testament, or in other words, the way that Jesus would uh, appear on the earth before his birth, right, in the New Testament. And so we see that this happens in scripture. It's a way of God communicating with people and it's found all through scripture. Number three way inside the biblical record is through dreams and visions. And I'll just lump those together for right now. You could actually do a much deeper dive and separate those, but God speaks through dreams and he speaks through visions. Uh, Peter in the book of Acts said at, at noon, he was in a trance and he said it was as he was waiting for lunch to be made. So I don't know about you, but um, I often, enter into a, a trance-like state when I'm starving and waiting for lunch. Not the same way that Peter did, but um, Peter expresses it and explains it as a trance. Other biblical characters said that they had a vision and that is common in the Bible. 
The fourth way is God speaking through his audible voice, through people, men and women, actually hearing the audible voice of God. I would add a sort of a slash and onto that, that God often spoke through other people. So God's voice to the Israelites, to a group of people coming through the vehicle of someone else. That's what God did through the prophets. That's what God has done through our Bible, right? God's speaking to the writers. The, the, the Bible says of itself that the writers were led along by the Holy Spirit's divine inspiration and that what they heard, they recorded. So God spoke to them and through them to us. And this is what we see in the biblical record. The fifth is um, that human voice that I just mentioned. And the sixth is the inner, still small voice of God. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. I wanna just jump back to a story we've probably all heard, but just make a few references and uh, notes about it as we talk about this still small voice of God and one of these ways that God speaks. And it's from Exodus 3. This is the story of Moses and the burning bush. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to open it to uh, Exodus 3, uh, pull it up on your phone. It's super important actually that you get into the scripture, the actual physical scripture for yourself. Don't just sort of leave it to listening to me, but actually picking up a Bible and reading it for ourselves is super key. So Exodus 3. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness. If you've got a pen or a highlighter, I want to encourage you to underline that phrase. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush, Moses stared in amazement, underline that right there. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. Underline that sentence. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, I want to just give you a few thoughts as we step into a bit of a deeper understanding of hearing the voice of God and some of the obstacles that we face in doing that. Number one, uh, Moses uh, is said to have led his flock way out into the wilderness, deep into the wilderness. And obviously that was a geographic place that Moses was leading them into. But for the ancient um, Near Eastern writers and the writers of the time of the book of Exodus, the wilderness was also a powerful a metaphor and symbol for testing. It was a powerful metaphor and symbol for testing and trials and actually was specifically known to be sort of the territory of the enemy. And I think that there's a very specific reason that the writer of Exodus, who was Moses himself, is actually highlighting that bit of information for us. Oftentimes, it is in that place of that wilderness 
season of our life when nothing seems to be going the way that we would hope or dream it would, when we feel pressed on every side, when we feel tested to the very limits that we can handle, when we feel like we're in literally the enemy's territory, often these are the very places that God does his most uh, powerful work or wants to do his most powerful uh, and substantive work in us. These wilderness seasons um, on the flip side are often very much the ones that we want to avoid. We run from them. We self-medicate ourselves to get out of them. We, we do anything we can uh, to get out of them, but they are often the very place that God wants to lead us in order to reveal himself more powerfully to us. And so Moses is in this space there. And the first thing he does is he sees this, this thing catches his attention, this bush on fire in the wilderness catches his attention. And it says that he stopped to look and examine. My first question to you as we begin to process what it means to hear the still small voice of God is, um, are you stopping regularly in your life? Are you stopping every day and taking a few minutes even, just a few moments to allow God to examine what's taking place in your life? The truth is that he may very well be trying to get your attention. He may have situations or events or different things happening around you that he's trying to actually alert you to something. Often God does use these uh, sort of burning bush experiences, these things in our life to try and get our attention. But if our attention is so focused and consumed with what we want to do, with what's going on with our own fear or our worry or our anxiety, if our attention is consumed with what's happening on social media or what the news is telling us, if our attention is consumed with what we're trying to plan for our future or what we're strategically trying to do or what we're saving for or building for or, you know, all of these things, if our attention is so consumed with that, it's often easy to miss that kind of alerting burning bush experience that God would actually want to get our attention with. And yet Moses stopped. Are you stopping each day to spend time in the presence of God where you ask and invite him to reveal to you, God, are there things in my life that are competing for your attention today? That's a, an essential question we must ask if we want to learn to hear the still small voice of God. We have to take time to stop and allow him to examine the things going on in our life. The second thing and the next thing Moses did was he not only stopped and looked from a distance at this thing, he actually moved closer toward it. Are you giving God increasingly more access to your life? Are you increasingly more and more interested in God searching the depths of your heart? Are you increasingly more interested in yielding different parts of your life to God? It's, I think, important for us to note that um, Moses saw the burning bush. He stopped and he looked at it and went, what in the world is that? 
Then he moved closer toward it. And it wasn't until he moved closer toward it that God actually spoke to him from it. I think often we miss the signposts along the way that would lead to us hearing the voice of God because we're too distracted. Our attention is on everything else. We've gone through, you know, the yellow light and we go through the red light and we're just living a hundred miles an hour and totally our mind is racing and we're on our devices for umpteen hours a day and we're not spending dedicated time with God. And so the very things that God may want to communicate to us through his still small voice, we're just not even on the same playing field as God. And God may want to use circumstances to get our attention, but more than using circumstances, he wants to speak to us through his still small voice. I would submit to you that hearing God through circumstances or, um, you know, supernatural events, things like that are actually, um, you know, entry levels of maturity in hearing God's voice. It's as we develop in maturity, we become more and more intentional about his still small voice. And as we are processing how to hear his voice, I just want to leave you with this second principle. Again, we've talked about it, but God's still small voice is his primary and preferred way of communicating. Yes, God got Moses' attention with the burning bush. And yes, we need to stop every day and say, God, I'm giving you, like, I want you to examine my life. But we need to move closer to God. We need to take steps closer to him, intentional time with him, intentional solitude and silence, intentional reading, intentional sitting and reflecting on what we're reading. This is what we've been practicing in our group experiences, and it's been amazing to do it. It's often in that place that when we move closer to the bush that God then shifts tactics and begins to speak to us with his still small voice. Why is God's still small voice his preferred way of communicating? Well, the reason I believe is that every form of external communication still must pass through our inner thoughts and feelings and perceptions. It still has to pass through our heart. It still has to pass through that um, inner area of our life, our discernment, our thinking, our perceiving, our believing, all of these things coming at us externally still have to pass through there. And that's why it's so important that we get to understand and hear and recognize that still small voice of God. Um, Jesus said in John 10, 3 and 5, he said, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He has gathered his own flock. He walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. So what is Jesus saying there? Number one, I want to communicate with you and to you through my speaking, through my still small voice. Number two, we have a capacity and an ability to know and hear, <coughs> excuse me, his still small voice. All right. So we can know and we can hear it. And he wants to communicate to us personally. Number three, he wants to provide leadership to our life. We're walking behind 
the good shepherd. And because we're walking behind him, because he's out ahead of us, we have no fear, no need to fear what's coming next because our good shepherd is leading us with his voice as he calls us forward. Psalm 32, eight and nine, David says this, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. So the desire of God is to lead you and not lead you through useless pain and struggle and trial and circumstance. Yes, we all walk through pain and suffering and trial and circumstance, but God says that's always for a purpose. His heart is never to lead us needlessly through suffering and pain, all right? He wants to lead us toward the very purpose and calling he has for our lives, your life, my life. He wants to lead us toward that, not just walk us around in circles or aimlessly wandering around in the dark, his desire is to lead us. Then he says, I will advise you and watch over you. How do you advise someone? You speak to them, you communicate to them. He's done that through his word. He do, he does that through other uh, external circumstances and supernatural means, but he wants to do it through his still small voice. Even when we're reading the word of God, we're reading the Bible, we need to read in order to listen to what he's speaking to us, what he's speaking to, um, you know, the, the words and message he has for all time, the truth that he's declaring for everyone for all time, but also the unique um, things that he wants to impart into our life from his word. It's when he does that, that his word comes alive in us and becomes a powerful, living, moving, breathing thing in our life that has the substance to change us and to, to strengthen us and to encourage us. It says he's revealing more of himself in that way. I want to advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. I don't want to have to lead you by forcing you into uh, through circumstantial things or by lead you by mysterious ways. I want to speak to you and lead you. So the question is, where does this conversation take place? And I bet you know the answer. It's in our spirit. It's in the inner place of our life. You could substitute or add to that our heart or that place of our will. It's that innermost place in our life. Proverbs 20 verse 27 says this uh, in the ESV version, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So our, our innermost place, the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all of his innermost parts. It's the place that God illuminates with his spirit. God is light. In him, there is no darkness. Jesus, uh, John said, the word became flesh and lived among us, right? Uh, and Jesus's life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In the NLT, it says it this way, the Lord's light penetrates the human spirit. 
exposing every hidden motive. So the light of Christ, the Lord's light, penetrates our innermost being and shines light on everything going on there. All right, so that's where the conversation takes place. What hinders our ability then to know and live out the purposes and plans for our life from God? I wanna just drill down with you briefly here into 2 Corinthians 10, three to five. This is something that God has been sort of stirring and building and uh, refining in me over the, probably the last year. The thing that hinders our ability to know the purposes and plans for God for our life, the wonderful things that he has uh, purposed for us are the strongholds of human reasoning in our life. Um, let's read together 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to find it here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. This is what Paul says. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So the conversation God speaking to us happens in our spirit, in our innermost being. But there are these things that Paul is saying, he calls them strongholds that are hindering our ability to properly hear and understand how God is speaking to us and where God is leading to us. All right, so what, what's going on here? What is Paul saying and what does the Bible teach about this innermost place, all right? So Romans 8, 16, Paul as well is the writer of this. He says, for his spirit, that's God's spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Another word for that word joins is testifies. So his spirit testifies, it speaks to our spirit. This is the still small voice of God. It speaks to us intelligently, coherently to affirm that we are God's children, all right? So number one, this is what's happening on this innermost level. Number two, the Holy Spirit searches out everything, everything of God. The Holy Spirit searches out and knows everything about God, his character, his purposes, his plans, his attributes, what he has called you to do, what he has purposed in his heart for you, um, why he's made you. The Holy Spirit knows all of these things about God. He knows the very deep things of God. He searches out all of it. The writer uh, Paul of 1 Corinthians says God, he searches God's deep secrets. He knows all of God's thoughts and because he joins with our spirit, he knows our thoughts as well, all right? So he knows everything. 
about God and his purposes and his plans and who God is and who you are and what his desire is for your life and how he wants to lead you, all of that stuff. And he knows you and what's going on inside of your life. He wants to speak to you, okay? So this is what he wants to do. He wants to speak to you the wonderful things God has freely given you. So that's 1 Corinthians 2.12 and 15 and 16, the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can know the mind of Christ, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us, the wonderful things God has freely purposed for us in our life. But here's the problem. Paul says we have these strongholds that are blocking and hindering the work and the voice of God. These strongholds are subconscious level uh, patterns of thinking and believing, patterns of operating, patterns of um, acting. They're the way that we do things, the way that we evaluate things, the way that we approach life. These are strongholds and they're happening subconsciously in our life. These strongholds are patterns that are so deeply rooted in us, we're not even aware of them, that, but they're the reason that we think certain things about our, our, our worldview, our culture, what we think about God, what we think about ourselves. Some, some of you have a stronghold, a pattern of thinking about yourself that's not godly or healthy. Some of you are so wrapped up in patterns and strongholds of shame and condemnation and fear and regret and all of these things that you can't possibly hear the truth of what God is trying to speak to you. It gets all distorted and blocked up in this pattern or stronghold. And what Paul is saying is that what God wants to do by his Holy Spirit coming in and illuminating all of the deep things of our life. He wants to bring those to the surface, to bring them to light so that they can be exposed to the light of Christ and he wants to demolish them. But this happens through spending time in the presence of God, intentional time in the presence of God, listening to him speak and inviting him to stir up and reveal these things in our life. So how do we do that? This is where we're going to land this plane. We do it by practicing to hear the voice of God in a few specific ways. The, the specific way I want to challenge and encourage you with this week is to practice hearing the voice of God's conviction, hearing what God's still small voice of conviction sounds like. Jesus said the Holy Spirit was coming into the world to convict the world of its sin, of righteousness, and judgment. God wants to bring you conviction, and he, he often does it through his still, small voice. This is found in Psalm 139, as David said, search my heart, test me, and know every anxious thought, everything going on in me. I want you to test me. So here's what you can do in prayer to practice this and I want you to practice it this week. Each morning or at a different time in the day, take a few minutes alone, quiet before God, and just practice it. Say, Holy Spirit, I humble myself before you. Jesus, 
I love you, I humble myself before you, and I'm inviting you right now to search and examine my heart, to test me, all of my thoughts, all of my anxious thoughts, to test me. And number one, I'm inviting you right now to reveal to me uh, any, any areas of distraction in my life, any areas of where my attention is consumed with everything else but not you. If there are areas of my life that in a, in a detrimental and unhealthy way, I'm overly focused on them, they're consuming my attention, I want you to reveal it to me and bring conviction to anything you would want to in my life that's distracting me from hearing your voice. Number two, Father, uh, I'm asking you as well in this moment that you would bring to, to light any, any area of my life where I've been resistant to you, any area in my life where I've been actually defiant to you even. <laughs> um, this is a way that we can learn to hear God's voice of conviction. And the third question with that, specifically in relation to this uh, section of Corinthians is, are there any uh, patterns of thinking, any strongholds, any deep-seated patterns of thinking or the way that I approach life or the way that I think about my family or the way that I think about others around me or the way that I think about you, God, or the way that I think about myself or the way that I'm thinking about my work and coworkers or the way that I'm thinking about these lockdowns or anything like that, are there any strongholds in my life that you want to bring into the light so that I can be free from the bondage of those things. And what God wants to do is he wants to expose those strongholds, those subconscious patterns of thinking so that he can demolish them and clear the way for his voice to communicate to us the, the wonderful purposes and plans, the heart of God from his heart to our heart about himself, the truth of who he is, the truth of who you are, uh, the, the amazing plans that he has set out for your life, the great and high purpose he has for you. These things eclipse any struggles that we could find ourselves in today. They eclipse COVID-19, they eclipse these lockdowns. These things can strengthen you and encourage you. These things can propel you forward in your life and, and, and cause you to rise above the, the stormy waves all around you. When you hear the voice of God speaking to you this way, it strengthens you and activates you. It moves you into a different kind of dimension of life where you're not constantly overwhelmed and bombarded and under the gun and pressured and worried and anxious. That's what God wants to communicate. But first we have to uh, be willing to set time aside daily to hear him speak through conviction. So I want to encourage you as you do that this week, don't edit what you hear. Don't slough something off or discount anything. I'll leave you with one last example. Probably close to a year ago, as I was practicing this in the morning myself with God, and uh, for the last year, virtually every morning, every time I'm with God alone, 
I am quoting 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, and I've been for a year saying, God, teach me about this. Make, just give me insight and wisdom and revelation. And how he's been teaching me is through what he's been convicting me of in terms of my own strongholds or patterns of thinking. And one of them that I want to just share with you. One morning, um, uh, I was just kneeling before him. I was in a, a kind of a mode of quietness and contemplation, listening for his voice. And I just felt him just gently and quietly speak to me and say, Andrew, you have an unhealthy need to be respected. And that was pretty much all that I heard from him that morning. And I, I just went, huh, okay, God, if that's true, which I think it is, because I've never thought of that before, it's never crossed my mind, then I'm inviting your conviction about it. And... Um, I went on and the next day I came before God and I was asking him to search me and inviting his voice of conviction, his still small voice. And I just felt like him saying, Andrew, um, you know, with how you're leading your staff, this is something going on way under the surface in your life that's driving you to lead them. And it's not super healthy for them or for you because your insecurity and desire to be respected is actually manifesting itself in being um, short-tempered with them or um, always, you know, feeling like I have to validate myself to them or, or, or pushing back on, you know, a confrontation or not wanting to be questioned about something. And over the last year, God has shown me in my life, whether it's in my marriage and how I speak or treat Rochelle or what I do and how I parent Eli and Simon or how I communicate with you as the church, this need to feel respected he's shown me has been a deep stronghold in my life. And what it's done even in the context of me communicating with you is it has given me a great fear to just tell you honestly and authentically what is true about Scripture because maybe the, the narrative of our culture is different as it relates to morality and sexuality and all of these things. And But my desire to be respected by those who are hearing me has sometimes trumped my willingness to just speak plainly what I believe God says it's true about how we are to live this life before him and in the world around us. And this need to be respected has often colored and filtered how I've preached and communicated. And as God has been revealing that to me, I've been recognizing it and he's been pointing it out in various times and in different situations and I've had a, a clearer, he's shining his light on it and I'm getting a clearer grasp of it. And I want to tell you that as I've been bringing this before Jesus, repenting of it and laying it at his feet on almost a daily basis, he's been bringing me freedom. He's, he's allowing me to, to kind of breathe again and not to be led by this domineering um, a suffocating desire to just be respected by my peers or by our church or by our staff or by our own, my own family in a dysfunctional 
and suffocating way. And it's, he's loosing those chains of bondage and I'm able to hear his voice speak truth to me. And I'm able to rest in that and I'm able to walk out of that and I'm able to speak more plainly and more boldly without fear or trepidation. I'm able to lay our church and this church at his feet and go, God, I, I'm, I'm not leading to grow this to a certain numerical number. I'm not trying to grow it to a certain, uh, you know, financial budget figure that everybody else around me could applaud. I'm not trying to look successful in this. I'm not trying to be respectable based on the metrics of the world around me. These are the things that God is bringing liberty and freedom to me in my heart and in my spirit. And that's what he wants to do in your life too. But the question is, are you willing to come to him on a daily basis and learn to hear his voice of conviction? Because he'll bring it. So don't edit it. Don't excuse it. Uh, don't push it to the side. Just receive it because he loves you. And he wants to uh, walk in intimacy with you. He wants you to know and hear his still small voice. Jesus is leading his sheep with his voice. And where Jesus is, there is hope and life and peace. The question is, in the midst of all of the chaos around us, in the midst of, you know, these wilderness seasons of our lives where there's trial and pain and where there's temptation and all of these things. Can you hear the calling of Jesus? Because he is. He is. He wants to lead you. And where he leads, there's life. Where he leads, there is strength. Where he leads, there is peace. Where he leads, every provision is accounted for. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. So why would we be afraid today? That's why I want you to know and hear the still small voice of God so that he can reveal those strongholds, bring them into the light, and through the power of Jesus Christ, his authority and power, demolish them, release you from captivity and bondage, and set you free to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.